Hey up everyone, welcome to episode 23 of Yorkshire Gamers Elite Big War Games podcast and uh, one of our catch-up episodes and uh, a while back I said uh, when an episode ended in a three I'd do a catch-up episode so here we are with the second one of those and uh, it's the second one of the award-winning podcast. Um, I did put a little uh, short thank you uh, podcast out a couple of weeks ago and um, just to say thank you very much to everyone if you don't know already we won the uh, best podcast section in the little wolves tv caesar awards which was a fantastic thing um i have to say after being uh, only on air for a year um great achievement and i'm, I'm very proud of the fact that we've uh, we've got there unfortunately there's a bit of sad news to give you before we start the podcast and that's the sudden death of a chap called Ian Smith. Uh, many of you will remember Ian from his absolutely fantastic and absolutely huge games that he used to put on at shows, and uh, specifically at Partizan, where he was a regular winner of the best game at uh, that show. Uh, a sad loss for uh, the hobby. Um, unfortunately, I only met Ian once, and that was at last year's Partizan, although I was aware of him and his games. And uh, Robbie Roddis introduced me to Ian, and uh, we had a really nice chat for 20 minutes, half an hour at Partizan, uh, during which he uh, said that he would be more than happy to come on this podcast as a guest uh, and chat about his big games and uh, his philosophy on gaming, which was uh, proper Yorkshire style. He was well known at the Sheffield War Games Society, uh, regular member there for many years and uh, well known uh, throughout the war gamers community. So... Real sad day uh, with Ian passing and I understand that uh, his uh, friends are going to put on a 40mm Napoleonic game at Partizan in his honour and I look forward to seeing that and having a chat with the guys there. So uh, a bit of sad news unfortunately uh, at the start of the episode. So uh, as I said at the start... um, this is going to be a bit different to the normal episodes if it's the first time you're listening. Um, normally we spend a couple of hours with each of our guests, um, but this time in the catch-up episode what I do is I, I dip back into some of our old previous episodes and uh, speak to some of our previous guests who may have talked to us about a project or an event or something during the course of that uh, interview. And uh, as it says in the the title, I have a catch-up with them and find out where they are um, and how that project went and, and get a little bit of a news and an update from them. Um, something I found with old podcasts is that you, you kind of get in, you get in to the guest and you, you're interested in what they're talking about and then you don't hear from them again. So I thought it would be a nice idea to get people back and speak to them for half an hour, 40 minutes or so um, and just catch up with them. So today we've got three guests. Um, I'm going to be speaking to Dr Chris Brown from episode three and uh, Mark Freeth from episode five from the War Games Holiday Centre. But first up, it is our friend of the show, Simon Hall, author of the War Games Rules Meg and uh, another couple of rules that we're going to talk about and a pretty amazing in, um, project that he's involved with at the moment involving a computer game that you will be all familiar with.
Hello everyone, and um, my next guest is uh, someone you'll all be familiar with from episode eight. Uh, back in June uh, last year, uh, we spoke to Simon Hall, and uh, Simon's been a very, very busy boy since we last spoke to him. Um, so, I'm pretty hi tired, Simon, Ken. how are you doing? I'm all right. Um, I'm probably fair to say a bit tired than I'd like to be, but that's probably a reflection of having been so busy. So yeah. I, I, Exactly. Well, there's, there's plenty to talk about, mate. And um, just to start with, you, you're back in the UK. You're living, you're living in Blighty we are. again. We've, uh, yeah, we've had an amazing family adventure in South Africa. I absolutely loved it. So sad to leave in some ways. But uh, daughter's reaching secondary education level and parents getting a bit old and fragile. So I thought, right time to come back so we've come back we didn't want to be around london anymore where it's so busy so we're setting up home nicely in the midlands near worcester uh, just formed a war war gaming club up the road called the witch I was, Ball Warriors. I was gonna say have you got a, you got yourself a club yet that's what you we've got one own. started we've got them started oh, he's had two two meetings the uh, third meeting was this week but i couldn't make that one so we're gathering players nicely so that's good that's just up the road from us, and we're building a house in Droitwich Spa and settling down in this little area. And it's nice because it's the centre of the country, so I can get to all the events and shops yeah. and family and stuff with relative ease. It's a relatively easy drive from here to various places. Uh, and so I've only about 50 minutes yeah. Battlefield Hobbies, so it's quite nice. So what was the, what was the name of the club again? The Witchbold Warriors. Ah, and um, where where are you meeting then? We'll give you a give you a free plug. Where are you meeting? Free plug. We're we're, we're meeting at Witchbowl Social Club every alternate Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, and if you want to drop me a line, anybody, I can tell you exactly where that is. But basically, it's the first junction down the M5 from yeah. Birmingham. So if you're anywhere south Birmingham, Kidderminster, Stourbridge, as far south as Cheltenham, you could get there with real ease. So uh, yeah, we, we've had uh, we've had three games and six players at meeting number two. So Excellent. It'll, it'll, it'll grow nicely from there. So yeah, and it's uh, it's the Witchball Social Club. So the nice thing is, it's got a TV with a sport on it. It's got a bar for a oh. drink, and, he, and if you finish early, it's even got a couple of snooker tables. So it's not. Oh, fantastic! Oh, I might even come, I might even come down to Leeds with that sort of stuff on offer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so when we when we chatted last time um we, we spoke um in the main about your uh your rule set meg and yeah. um we were in the middle of lockdown then and obviously things were kind of hoping to happen in the future um i think you've been fairly busy with competitions and championships and stuff yeah. uh, all over uh, the world if i remember correctly so just yeah. give us a rundown on where you are with that yeah, no, it's it's it, it had already taken off very nicely. It's um, since since COVID has backed off a bit and people have been able to play, it's spreading really fast. We're picking up loads of new players into ancient wargaming from other periods and from 40k mm. as well. People who like the idea of the concept, so it's it's growing really nicely. The competitions are pretty steady. There's a lot of them. I think there's a competition every fortnight in the UK pretty wow. much through the year. Wow, that's good. So it's really blown like that. We have. Uh, Ones in Belgium, France, there was Australia, Poland, Greece, the US. So there's plenty going and it's just continuing to spread nicely by word of mouth now people are playing. So there's a yeah. steady stream of new players coming on board and the community just keeps growing. So it's got its own momentum now. And we have the official delayed launch because it had to be cancelled twice at Historicon for the USA mm. um, with PSC in attendance in some strength. So I'm over there in July for the whole of Historicon this year. And hoping oh, to get new players over there to come and play the small version of the game and 
and get involved. And we've got a major competition over the weekend there and a bunch of promotion events. So, so that's good. And we've got the first Asian Open in Thailand on the 23rd and 24th of October in Bangkok. So I'm going to be at wow. Battlefield Bangkok playing in that in uh, in <laughs> October. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's really lovely. We've got an amazing international community growing. It's really really good. That that's great. That sounds like a load of excuses for holidays. There is that, is that a plan? <laughs> Don't mention that. Don't mention, don't that. mention it. Don't mention it. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Well, to be fair, I'm, I'm taking the family with me to historic and we're going to have three weeks in the, somewhere in the States or the Caribbean. So they're pretty happy about that. So. Oh, yeah. I'm sure if you mention the Caribbean, the, the yeah, few days the, the war game show is not going to go amiss, it's, is it? Yeah. Really? Seems to work to treat. I'll just have to help the family don't listen to the podcast very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll mute this bit for anywhere. Mute that bit out, yeah. uh, excellent. <laughs> and um, we were we were kind of at the edge. You were kind of at the edge of um, producing your next set last time that we spoke, and that was yeah. that was Divisions of Steel. And um, is that out now? Whereabouts are we with it's, that? Uh, it's out with a soft launch, I'd say. They, they, um, it's out because we had a whole bunch of testers and players who wanted it in finished form. Yeah. So rather than delay and wait for supply chains to allow it to be produced fully, which is very difficult at the moment, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare. Um, we've launched it in PDF form with a load of support. So you can buy it now at the uh, website. All the websites are always the same. They're the www. and then the name of the rules with, with hyphens. So it's divisions-of-steel.co.uk. Yeah. So yeah, the finished rule set is up there. It's great because it's in PDF form. And I'm following a similar idea to Meg, really, which is I, I really... I'm a product optimizer by nature. I've done a lot of work in that area. So I think putting it out there, getting people playing and listening a lot, yeah. gathering a lot of feedback and adapting is a really good process. Yeah. Um, we're getting some great feedback. And because it's all PDF form, we can do a couple of adaptions through the year, tighten it all, yeah. and then get it formally published the year after in book form. So, so it's all yeah. there. There's a whole bunch of army lists already there. Um, people are already playing it a fair bit and giving us some nice feedback. In general, they really, really like it. And it's a lot of fun, but there's a bit of tightening we want to do. And yeah. we've got the army builder and the point systems to work on yet, and that should come out in the next couple of months. But it's uh, it's up and running and very nice, good fun. Well, and, yeah, that... and there's a ten mil range coming out from PSC, which I think they're going to pre-launch in May and officially launch at Historicon, and they're beautiful, really lovely ten mil ultracast tanks oh, and figures. So, is it is that nice. along the similar lines to the the Meg Ancients range? Because they're it is exactly similar lines. There'll be a uh, so there are some company battle boxes, basically, for infantry and support weapons, yeah. for um, tanks and for um, troop carrying, a set of trucks or a set of uh, half trucks to go with them. And gradually they'll work through the way through a World War II range. Yeah, so it's all yeah, pretty well, exciting. They're, and yeah, they're lovely. It's a lovely, lovely scale and they're lovely stuff. So they're great for big battles, range. which I know you love. They're great oh, for big God, yeah. No, we're, we're all about the big battles here. Yeah, so uh, if we... Uh, well, you're lacking the book. I mean, the game, the, the Division of Steel game, it's, good. it's quite interesting because I, I, I wanted to play big games because you're know, a similar lover of big games. And yeah. they, um, it's set up so that you can actually play in, a, in, a, in an afternoon and a morning, a day, you can play a battalion-sized battle. Yeah. That. Um, so, you know, four full companies plus the BHQ plus a load of attachments. And uh, if you get the copy, I'll send you a link. You can download it. The, uh, yeah. the main demo game that we're fighting with is, in a, is a battle of that from Rory in uh, around Caen in 1944. Yeah. It's a full battalion of the Tyneside Scottish hit by um, various bits of the 2nd SRAC and the uh, 9th SS, I think. Mm. Uh, so three three camp groups effectively thumped it in the morning and they had a real struggle to 
posted away and had two companies of tanks join. And we play, we managed to play that out to a conclusion from 10 till 5. On oh, the good effort, good stuff. effort. Yeah. Eight, eight foot by eight table, and it's got, I think it's got about 30 Panthers on the table and about 15 Panzer Fours and 15 Stugs and three companies of Panzer Grenadiers and an entire battalion infantry and 12 anti-tank guns and 24 supporting tanks. So, so it's, it looks great. Oh yeah, that, that's now. Now we're talking. We're talking. That's your kind of thing. Numbers. I should bring it. I should bring it up to Leeds because I've got the uh, when I've got everything set up. I'll bring it up because it's got it's an eight by eight table that we played on, and I've had the yeah. actual terrain um, designed and printed on some proper. Battle map. Oh, so fantastic! Exact, the, yeah. the exact little terrain for today. It looks superb. It's really oh, cool. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. And you can never have too many panthers on a table, I think. Um, no, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Unless you're, unless you're the British guy and an anti tank when you go, that's a lot yeah. of panthers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you don't yeah. quite see the the beautiful lines of the tank when you're actually having to fire something at it and trying no, to stop it. As no, I think uh, it's an amazing story oh. that battle because there were there were six anti tank guns dug in they had all apds mm. they had the full full quota apds yeah. so they were pretty effective and they uh i think they they reckon they took out 15 afes between them i think lost three of the anti-tank guns but there was one particular one which is brilliant which is uh you saw sergeant stewart from memory who was gun number three or four and they set themselves up right next to a knocked out sherman mm. that still looked functional Ah. And they dug in nearby that. So every time they fired, the Germans in response looked at the Sherman and fired at the Sherman and hit it. So it, it, took ages, it took ages before the dummy tank blew up and they finally managed to figure out it was an anti-tank gun 20 metres away that was shooting at them. And he no. and they got run over for that. But in the meantime, he caused all sorts of mayhem. So it's quite cunning, really. So, that's clever thinking. I, I like Yeah, that. it was pretty that's, smart. That's yeah. a good plan. That's a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty clever. Yeah. And does do the rules scale? Can you play in any scale with it? Can you do six mil? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. any scale. It depends how big a table you've got. Um, it, <laughs> it plays beautifully. Every, it plays beautifully at ten and fifteen, and you can squeeze it up to twenty, um, and it goes down to six really nicely. And actually, I built the, we built the same battle in ten mil, fifteen mil, and three mil. Oh, three mil, right? Yeah. Yeah, because three mil is interesting because it to, it shows people what it would really look like. Yeah. It's on the tabletop yeah. to scale. Even a, a 50 mil tank's enormous. It's like 150 meters long by 70 yeah. meters long. It's, it's, it's a ship. So <laughs> we, we put these three mil ones next to it. You've got to remember the rules are designed to replicate. It actually really looks like this. These three yeah. little dots, these three little things, and people go, "What's that? Oh, it's yeah. a panther." <laughs> so it's really good to actually show that to help people understand the abstractions because the rules are quite clever. They work off in a very simple way. Actually, instead of treating the target as the model. We treat yeah. everything as being where the front of the centre of the base is because it's a much better approximation of where the real thing is. Yeah, yeah. You think about it, that, that means you could actually set up a 28 mil Tiger against the 3 mil Sherman and the mm. rules will deal with it as if they're the same because it will treat the middle of the front of the giant Tiger as where the real tank is. It doesn't make yeah. it yeah. So it's, it's totally scale neutral and it gets rid of all those issues of, can I see that tank over there? No, there's another one in the way. And I'm thinking... No, there isn't. That's just your model. <laughs> That's a giant fictional model. There ain't no tank there. Ninety-nine percent of it's like a golf shot going through trees. It's mainly leaves, you know. So if you hit the thing, it's kind of, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting little concept, but it makes a big difference in itself. And then we use the meg dice in clever ways and all sorts of stuff. So it's pretty cool. Eh? You know, check it out. It's good fun. And, uh, yeah, so if you, if you've got a knowledge of meg and the card system, and uh, well, that's help you help you yeah. along. Yeah. It will, yeah, because some of the same principles exist. You know, you play coloured discs 
to give you certain different actions. You pay more for different training. So some of the yeah. same principles are inbuilt into it. So you've got a head start already because you look at it and go, oh, that, at least that bit's familiar. But then there yeah. are some very interesting twists every time to the system because when you do the ancient battle, you, you, my, I always say what I aim at is historical feel, first of all, mm. more than anything else. So I say, well, what yeah. can give me the historical feel? And in, in an ancient battle, you want big battle lines yeah. gradually becoming smaller battle lines, collapsing into, crumbling into small yachts, crumbling into chaos. Yeah. So the rules of Meg use the system to allow you to move big blocks efficiently if you use your cards slowly. Yeah. World War II is very different. You activate individual units, and the clever bit is you use the disc to either keep the initiative so you can do something else or to reactivate something that's already activated if it's good enough. So you can get yeah. more activity to high-quality troops. And if you read a lot about World War II history, the reality is high quality troops just actually did more. A lot more effective. Yeah. A lot more they were a lot more effective because they put they put more firepower into useful areas, or they were just more efficient with rates of fire, or they were more capable of spotting targets. But the net result was they did more effective activity per hour for quality troops. And the rules actually reflect that literally, because you will be able to activate a bunch of BT2, as you call them, high quality Africa Corps. More yeah. often than to activate the CT3 Brits in the early weather. So um, it's an interesting idea keeping it as PDF until you're, you're happy with it. And I think that's a great idea because, you know, you go out and you pay 30 or 40 pound or whatever on a hardback mm. copy of a book. And then three days later, somebody goes, well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and you end up with huge um, sort of erratas and... Um, FAQs yeah, exactly. and, and, and all that. So have you got a time scale on going to print with that or are you just happy to let it um, um, settle down? We'll let it settle down, but the, the PSC plan is to publish it early next year in book form. Yeah. So it'll probably have a compendium edition out in the early part of next year. And, and Meg has the um, army lists online. Is that going to be a similar thing? with? It's the same thing with this. They are, they're all done by Micromark, Mark Bevis, who does Micromark, so they're, yep. they're very well researched. So they're all online, and they're all these are all sold individually because Mark makes his living out of lists, so I can't do them all for free. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's so many of them, it would be ridiculous. But you can pick up bundles or pick up what you want, and again, they're all online. It means we can again update them for latest data and correct any errors. So probably, I think, through the year, what we'll have is two or three editions. You know, if you buy the rules yeah. now, you'll end up with two or three improvements through the year. And then what we plan to do is give everybody who's bought the PDF rules a discount voucher if they want to then switch over and, and buy the hardback book at the, in the early part of next year. So. Excellent. Well, so that's, that's excellent news on that one. Um, and we mentioned while we were chatting before we came on air um, about another set of rules in the, in the Meg stable. Uh, There's a third, yeah. yeah. Came um, at the same time, pretty much. The Renaissance yeah. ones, yeah. Uh, Reg, as it's nicely nicknamed. Good old Reg. Good old Reg. He's fantastic. He's Reg, you know. Sounds like he drives a bus down the road. It does. Exactly. You were thinking Reg Varney the same as me. Look at that. We killed him the same. Loads of people listed that game. What the hell are they talking? But yeah, exactly. And that's been done really nicely. I've had a sort of executive producer role in that of overseeing it, making sure it's consistent. But it's actually Alistair Harley and Simon Clark have done a fabulous job on it with mm. a bit of input from me at times it's playing really well so if you like doing your english civil war stuff or your 30 years war stuff they're excellent again you can pick them up online uh, they will also be refined through the year but i think they're actually really very close 
yeah. and they'll be published again in book form probably around the early part of, of next year under the similar sort of policy. And same thing, they have list books online and there are a couple of quid a PDF with 20 armies in and such things. So yeah. oh, it's easy to pick up. So there's been loads of grains and, and there's been a, a whole bunch of the first competition and events of those going on over the last six months. So yeah, very happy seeing lots of packing shot armies out playing. Yeah, what, what 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 part what uh, time period have you set that as? It, it starts basically when firearms start to become dominant, which is a little bit different in different parts of the world. Yeah. So you know, over in the, um, over in Western Europe, it's, it's probably about fifteen forty ish. But if you go out to Japan, yeah. it's probably more like fifteen eighty ish. And then it runs through. Actually, it's going to overlap with the with the horse and musket set. It runs through to the War of the Spanish Succession. Yeah. So it can go all, all the way through to the sort of 1670s and 80s before we uh, before we get into the next period of history, really. Yeah. And, and mechanism-wise, uh, are we looking similar to Meg on that one? It's it... familiar again, but with some neat tricks in it that are a little bit different again. Probably uh, um, uh, more echelons and rear support systems going on to give the right yeah. sort of feel and troops being driven back by fire when the fire gets too intense, which is more what tended to happen when they came close to each other and blatted each other too much with the musket fire. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, some very strong similarities to Meg without it being such a, a big shift as a World War II in terms of how the system's used. Yeah. Yeah. Very easy so, to pick up. Yeah. People are playing, people are switching between. Meg and Reg competitions all the time because they're different, but they're similar enough that it's very easy to play. And, and how does it how does it feel as the as the sort of the rule writer of the of the main set to have another couple of people working on it oh, off to one side? No, you, you're not you're not so you know protective of your child or no. I've um, I mean you probably saw through the back. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in sort of crowd efforts and trying to build community. Yeah. So you know if I can lay some shape and other people want to build it and could do it nicely then i'm all for it really so i'll no doubt team up with others for other periods i mean we've uh, when simon clark's finished this one one of my topics to talk to him a bit more about which we sort of said we might do in principle is the fantasy supplement for meg which mm. we've done a bit of work on so to bring out a supplement that will allow you to switch straight into fantasy battles using the meg system by adding all the relevant troop types and uh, you yeah. know a short a short mini book of additional rules to cover magic and creatures and such things and then a set of army lists to cover all the well-known fantasy worlds and you're up and running, and we'll see some uh, Meg Dragons on the table. Oh, fantastic! Fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> That's all we like to see. Lots um, of Meg Dragones, and surprisingly, there we go. Yeah, I've even done yeah. the cover already. Well, but there you go. Well, it sounds like you can have it all covered eventually. Is... Well, that's the idea. The idea is the system is really good. You can adapt it to all the periods. So, yeah. Um, so basically, yeah. I mean, the uh, after the World War Two. Um, I'm going to be diverting into Rome Total War finishing, which we need to talk about, and I'm sure yeah, we'll cover a bit. Yeah. Um, but after that's done, I've got Claire de Guerre, which is the Napoleonic horse musket set to work yeah. on, and then probably the last big one will be an American Civil War set, and then we'll have everything from ancient Renaissance uh, horse and musket all the way through to uh, ACW, which basically takes to the edge of World War One, really, in terms of style, and then uh, World War Two and fantasy battles. So then you've got you know the suite of five plus the dictionary. The, the whole the whole the whole gamut. lot that's going to be the whole brilliant. gamut exactly yeah <laughs> and, and, and making it i mean part of what i like is that i like all the periods so one of my struggles is um when the rule sets are all very different i don't know about mm. you but i find it very difficult to think okay i think i'll play an ancient battle of that and i'll play napoleon it's with a totally different set of rules and i'll yeah. do any civil i used to do that all the time my head started to spin whereas with <laughs> this what's nice is 
because there's a central core that's common, it's actually yeah. a lot easier to flip between them and change the yeah. appearance. But the games feel totally different. I mean, it's got their own, they've got very much their own historical feel. So that was always the ambition, was to try and make a suite that people could move around mm. with much more ease than if all the rules are totally different in style. Well, excellent. I mean, I, I look forward to trying some of those. That's going to be a good fun mm. in the future. Um, but you, you mentioned something else that we were going to talk to there. And uh, I'm sure many of the people listening to this podcast will have played uh, Rome Total War, the computer game. And um, we, we've talked about this um, with other guests um, on my podcast. And it was kind of that that first really good crossover from figure war gaming to computer war gaming and you kind of felt that you were playing a tabletop war game with it with the way that it worked and um the engine was used for time commanders on bbc2 um as a television series um so how the hell have you got involved with it and what are you doing with the it? hell am i going to um we were approached by Sega, who on the rights to the computer game were yeah. interested in can we do a board game version of this? Yeah. Um, and I know some people who want to do that. So, in amongst a bunch of people, we put our hands up and said, Oh, yeah, you can definitely do a board game version of this. That'd be very yeah. interesting to do. Um, and shared with them the, meg, the core of the Meg system and said, Look, this is quite snazzy, these colored dice. We could use yeah. these. So, we managed to negotiate a deal to do it. Um, oh, really? And I got, I got the. Uh, rights to start working on that in the middle of last year to design it hmm. um, and got the first design together and took it down to PSC to review it. And we all played it and thought, actually, as a first guess, if you like, of how the game yeah. should play, it played really well. So we thought, this is a blast, actually. Very, very good. <laughs> so from there, we got quite kind of, I thought, okay, we'll talk to them about doing a bit more and then we'll develop it. And we got the agreement that we do just, not just Rome Total War, a Rome game, but we'd be allowed to do Alexandria as well and Britannia and other things in the series. Yeah. Um, so then we worked all of those up, and um, basically the game is is really really good fun and creates a transition into tabletop wargaming from the board game. So what I what I've got is a, is a game that because I was a run total war because I travelled a lot, so it was my yeah. regular travel companion. So I I spent my time conquering the world as Namibia and Namibians and all sorts of things <laughs> I liked, avoiding the big Roman armies. Um, yeah. So I played it to death the first one. So I thought well. If you take all the main features that are in it, if I can come up with a system where relatively simply every main feature of it, developing towns, building armies, mm. trading, allies, if I can just find a simple way to do every one of the eight or nine things that are in there, you mm. can probably get a very slick, fast-moving game. And that's what we've managed to achieve. It, it's, uh, it's crafted to be playable in its initial form as four major factions, so, and it's superb as a four-player game. You can up that to about six without the time stretching very much with some additional factions. With all the additional factions, you could play eight as 14 if you wanted, but you'd have to be very dedicated and want to weekend. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, sure there's somebody will, out there. Somebody so will be doing it. There are people out there already going, hang on, when, that, when are we free for a weekend? So, um, <laughs> so it works. And it uses, it uses the essence of the Meg system because you build your armies as cards. So the cards represent a bunch of units yeah. and, the, and the essence of Meg is in it because you, you play head-to-head it has a coloured set of dice to roll with certain special effects if the opposing troop type was particularly vulnerable or not. Yeah. And it's got different dice to roll if you're in terrain or you're not. So all of the ideas of, of it are built in. So as you play a battle as a card game, in about two or three minutes, you can quickly do a sort of fast result version. And yeah. you will get a benefit if you've got better troops, if you've got better generals, if you prefer terrain and you've got terrain, all those things will come in. 
Hmm. Um, but it's very fast. So that can be done as, a, as a, what we call strat play version of the game. And yeah. if you have a big battle where you have like an eight or ten card army against each other, there's a spin-off product which is called battle play, where yeah. we, we I lay out a battle play of the seven files. Hmm. Now you actually do what you would do in a war game. You deploy your army as cards face yeah. down, and the opposing army draws theirs face down. You've, hmm. you've got a system for laying out some terrain, and you turn them over, and you fight a mini war game using cards. Cards. But then, of course, the next step, and people said, oh, oh, we'd love to have some figures or something. Said, well, the neat trick then is all I have to do is say to you, that phalanx card there is is three tugs impactor, and that cavalry yeah. one over there, two tugs of the companions, that, and you've got an yeah. instant pactor. So you say, well, go get the figures. Play the play the battles pactor gattles instead. Or if you're really cool, why don't we play it as a big game and say, let's play Mega Maximus instead and do it for real. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, those, two, those two, that pike card there is uh, is... You know, five eighths of pike. That's five <laughs> with whacking great. You know, two hundred yeah. pike bases and all that. So you can you can make it whatever you like, and then just go yeah. back to the board with the results of the battle and yeah. carry on with the critique. So it's a hoot. It's a hoot. So, so it's got it's got all the all the elements of the computer game. Then you kind of yeah, all the main growth, elements. You've got the growth. Yeah. You've got the development of yeah. your armies. Um, obviously, the, the the battles and the campaigns, the whole the whole lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's easy to explain the sequence really because it, it brings it in. So, if in the phase it works in in the turn phase is you start with an agent turn, so you will have two mm. or three multi-purpose agents. They're representing where agents are busy, and they yeah. can roam around the board. And depending on some cards they they've drawn, they could either try and negotiate an alliance with somebody. They could do a trade mm. deal with something to get you some money. Or if we get an extreme card, they might try and assassinate somebody. So all yeah. those little nuggets are in there first straight yeah. away. Then you raise your money. So the more areas you control, the more money you get. Excellent. Yeah. You got a pot. Of, you get yourself a pot of gold. Mm. Then you move your armies and your navies around and fight people and see what happens. Yeah. And then you come back and spend your money. Uh, and you spend your money in the ways that you would in Runtuff. You could invest it in development and try and get yourself some development of a better troop type or. Um, mm. or, or something that will allow, allow you some sort of social or technological development. So every nation's got a tree of developments. Mm. Or you could spend it paying to build the cities. So I've got five things in total. I think we're going to end up with you can build markets, defensive walls, barracks, ports, and road systems. So those mm. are in, and we'll have little models for those. So as you build your territory, it'll be a little bit like Mega Monopoly. Where, you, know, you, put down, <laughs> you put down your little road symbol on there, and then you buy a barracks and put it in the middle, and you get a wall, and they put it around it, and it goes, and there's still room for a market, and slot a market in, and then you put a port on the end, and it's a fully developed region. So, oh, and, and you'll see it build on the map. So you'll see the yeah. organic build on the map. Or you spend your money on troops, yeah, or a couple of other things that you could do as well. So, yeah. so you're doing exactly the same as you did in the game of choosing how to spend money to either build armies and and just as you could in run to the other board game, you could pursue a relatively peaceful strategy and go, well, let me try and trade with everybody and conquer neutral regions and do all mm. that, or you can be super aggressive and go straight for Rome. So, it, it, it gives you all sorts of different alternatives, and the four factions are quite diverse. Um, and then when you get the lesser factions, you can play as, as I used to do, as the Namibians or the Scythians. So, so yeah. it's kind of cool. And if you really want to get carried away, the Alexander map, which gives you the Macedonians and the Egyptians and the Armenians and the Indians and the Persians, because it mm -hmm. allows a game that's broader than just Alexander's world, you can stick it next to the original, the, the main game. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Put the, whole thing, put the whole thing together and try and conquer India as the Namibians. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. So, so it becomes a, you know, it becomes quite a, 
quite a whopper at that point. And I think that gets you up to like 16 factions. So that'd be one of those where some group of war gamers somewhere will have a spare room, we'll set this board up, everybody will play, they'll meet every Thursday night, do some moving around, fight battles at the weekend. It'll take them three years to finish. But uh, at the end of it, it'll be like legends of the Rome Total War. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can hear tables being cleared across the country as we speak. It'd be, it'd be a hoot. It would be a hoot. I mean... <laughs> I'm already destined to play, I think, as a Pacto campaign with Meg instead of fighting the battles with the cards. That was bound to be the first thing that happens for me with people. We're going to want to do that. And in terms of commerciality, we, they've done well. PSC launched it on GameFound. Um, we needed to raise not a huge amount to do it, probably £150,000 to do it really, really well, I think, I would yeah. guess. We raised, um, we raised the necessary amount in, I think it was three hours. Oh, um, yeah, and we ended up in something like five hundred and forty thousand pounds that we've raised. Wow! And there's a post, there's a there's a there's a late pledge going up because a lot of people want to pledge and join in there. They've seen more about it. Yeah. Um, so you know we've raised enough money to do it really, really well and actually do a fantastic version of it. So it's gonna it's gonna look superb. It's gonna be fantastic yeah. mix of models and great artwork and. And a fantastic game in the box, and I think we'll just have a lot of fun doing it. So I'm I'm going to be very busy refining the design, probably May and June in particular, probably May June July, really big months doing a lot of refinement. Um, but it's largely there, and the, the main thing I'm going to be working on is a solo play version. I've got mm. the basics of a very neat solo play version, virtual me that you can play against. Yeah. Um, for those people who would want to, you know, decide they want to try and build the Roman Empire, so I've built. I built a set of scenarios that are historical, so your simplest one, which might only take you an hour, would be Caesar's conquest of Gaul. And yeah. the biggest one is, can you build the entire Roman Empire from the beginnings of Rome? Take a few weeks. I think many people will have played Rome Total War in that, um, in that format, won't they, as a solo they will. player? I think, I think that the computer game leans to it, so more players yeah. are solo players. So I want to yeah. accommodate solo players being able to play the game. Yeah. Um, and have and have a lot of fun doing it. So, um, you know, we can we can generate something really neat that allows you to play. And then, you know, the rest of them are fictitious ones. Let's imagine it wasn't Rome that when it try and uh, try and build the conquest of Europe as the barbarian tribes, and let's see if we can wreck the entire development of Europe and have some <laughs> some mad Germany in charge of all of Europe's dark ages and make it really dark. So it sounds with those figures then that that's the, the, there's kind of been a lot of crossover already, you know, there outside I mean, there of is, the traditional I mean, war gamer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had this, I always thought if we could do it as a, our, our tabletop hobby needs fresh blood. Yeah. I mean, we all agree it needs fresh blood. So when I did make one of my biggest things was to try and make it a bit more catchy than most war games so we could get fresh blood from the sci-fi war gamers, from yeah. the fantasy war gamers and the, 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 the up-and-coming kids who've just played Warhammer for a few years and I think, well, that was kind of interesting and not be sitting there thinking that looks dull, you mm. know. So so that's one of the beauties that, that we've done with the system is it attracts people in. So I always thought if you could do the same with board games and computer games, we don't need to feed many people who buy a mm. board game or a computer game into our table to hobby to create massive growth for our table to mm. hobby. Yeah. So the big picture is to try and do that. So we, we get people who will buy the board game and Nine out of ten, I suspect, will play it using the strap play system so it's quick and yeah. play the game in three hours and even put it away. And that's what they'll do. Yeah. But if 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 one in ten picks up battle player plays it and one in two of those goes, that's really interesting. I fancy it with figures. Let's have a go at this Meg thing. 
we yeah. have just gained an enormous number of players for mm. the tabletop. So yeah. that's the really the big play because these, I mean, the computer game version. I can't remember how many followers it's got on its Facebook page. I can't remember, but it's it's hundreds it's, of thousands. It's hundreds, yeah, and, hundreds and it's, and a, hundreds it's a generational thing as well. I play it, yeah. my son plays it. it yeah. It's uh, you know, if you've got an interest in history, it's um, it's yeah, it such you, a fantastic it? game yeah. that's yeah. spread through generations. So it's it's, uh, and it's even, great to uh, see potential of a figure game from it. It would be, yeah, and and they uh, and even on the game founding thing when I was answering questions, there was loads of people started asking, well, what do we do beyond? Can we do anything beyond this? And I said, well, it's not really a topic we're supposed to be doing much with because there's a few issues to deal with with that yeah. in terms of the Seagate arrangement stuff. But you know, if you wanted to, you could you, you just play it as Meg. And then loads of people looking at Meg. And before I know it, we've got three new Meg players who've never <laughs> played war gaming in their lives. They've just they've just pledged to join Rome to the war, and they've now bought Meg and bought three packs of boxes. They're busy painting armies already. Oh, like, fantastic! Well, fantastic. There's proof of the pudding. It's not many of them, but we haven't even launched the game yet, and three people have already moved over and have started playing tabletop war games. <laughs> awesome! Well done. Excellent. Well, you, you are you are the new evangelist for the hobby, or so. <laughs> we will always try. You, you know me. I'll always try. I'm a I'm very passionate about sustaining our hobby and developing our hobby. That's the main thing. You're not really doing this for the, you're not really yeah. doing it for the money or anything else. It's it's it's, it's about uh, it's about keeping the hobby fresh and yeah. allowing it to move forward, and bringing new people in it, and uh, making sure that the world of computer games doesn't mean it disappears. It actually means it flourishes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's yeah. a great idea uh, having that crossover. It's a it's a really great idea. Well, it's been lovely talking with you again, Simon. And um, hopefully, we'll Pleasure. get to have another chat in the future, um, either on the show or hopefully meet up in real life at some stage. Um, sure. I, I don't think I need to wish you all the best luck with Rome Total War because I think it's going to be an absolute smash. But uh, just say just say you heard it here first. That's all I'm going to say. Thanks very much, Simon, and uh, I'll speak to you again soon, mate. Pleasure as ever. See you again soon. Bye, buddy. Well, it was lovely to speak to Simon again, and that is fantastic news about the Rome Total War game. I think that is going to be absolutely brilliant. It's something that I spent a load... I'm not big into computer games, and I don't really play them a lot, uh, but Rome Total War really grabbed me and it was an absolutely fantastic game um, that I've played to death. And as I said in the interview, it's a generational thing that my son's played and I know lots and lots of people have, have played it. And with it being on television with the Time Commander series, people are used to it. So it's a great way of getting new people into the hobby. And if uh, people do convert, as Simon was hoping... Uh, towards the end of the interview there, then that's going to be great. Great way of recruiting people into historical figure wargaming and big historical wargaming, which is what we like as well. So great to speak to Simon. My next guest is uh, another big friend of the show. That's Mark Freeth. Uh, Mark from the Wargames Holiday Centre. And uh, when I spoke to him in episode five last year, we were in the middle of lockdown so let's have a chat with Mark and see what's happening down in Basingstoke. Well, welcome back, everyone. And uh, another guest on my catch-up episode is uh, one of the, the show favourites from episode five, um, from one of those original well, five I was people. the only one in episode five. 
<laughs> you were, you were. The few before you, they've, they've been out there coming back as well. <laughs> but you've come on first this time, does that? Because you were complaining last time, weren't you, that you were on fifth? I was. I barraged you with emails, looking for a slot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we, we've sorted it out this time. Our, our agents have met, and it's all it's all above board. <laughs> and um, we're doing this over the internet, so you won't be able to run up and slap me in the face if I say something naughty, so we're, we're doing all right. Um, so back in April last year, episode five, Mark Freeth was on, and uh, Mark is the owner, custodian, and runner of the War Games Holiday Centre, and we chatted for couple of hours about we occasionally mentioned the war games holiday center but we went down a number of rabbit holes um so how are you doing mark it's been a, a while since i've seen you i'm doing very well thank you ken it's um it's been a crazy year uh yeah just uh, i'm full this year i think that the only slots i've got are indian mutiny and master uh, edge hill and uh they're running out fast. I got I booked up five for Indian Mutiny uh, just earlier this week, so it's bonkers, absolutely well, bonkers. That, that's what we like to hear because last time we spoke, we were um, wearing virtual masks and virtual gloves, and um, we couldn't step outside our houses. And um, most, I mean, most war gamers anyway, are quite insular people, aren't they? So I, I think quietly most people enjoyed lockdown. <laughs> Well, my wife insists I still wear the mask. What's that about? Oh. <laughs> so is it a full face covering? So you're walking into yeah, the walls like and welders. stuff? Yeah, a welder's mask. <laughs> Excellent. So how how was it opening up, mate? What was those? What was that first game like when you um, got people back into the into the centre? Well, we the first one we did was was um, Waterloo. Um, yeah. And I got a lot of guys that were, you know, regulars at the centre, and they came along. And it was a little bit of trepidation because I don't know if you remember, Ken. Uh, we've moved into a new premises now, yeah. so we're in a conference suite, which mm. honestly is like playing on a, on a football pitch. It's enormous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I put the table up, and you know, I've, got, I've, I've extended it to thirty feet now, and uh, it's still twelve feet wide because I still follow the doctrine that. All the get, you know, the battle tends to migrate to the middle of a table. Yeah. yeah. I think I mentioned before the back six foot that we used to have at the old unit was um, the people just put their coats on it, <laughs> <laughs> drinks so, and yeah. old sandwiches yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, or, or paperwork. It just looked like a, you know, a refuse tip toward the end. And I'd lay all the lovely terrain out, put the villages on, and, all, and it just couldn't get used. But so anyway, now we've got three foot either side of the six-foot main, you know, protagonist table. Um, and Waterloo went down an absolute storm because I, I've been to Waterloo quite a few times, and I think if ever you travel to a battlefield hmm. and walk the battlefield, immediately you become, and I've not done it much before, to be honest, yeah. but when you be, when you walk it, you, you suddenly realise the lay of the ground and how things aren't visible and... Hmm where things can spring surprises during the course of a battle. And we walked right round the battlefield at Waterloo, and we went down to Hougamont, and you can't see La Haye-Saint from Hougamont. It's not a great yeah. distance, but you can't see it because of the lay of the land. Mm. And I guess back then it would be even worse because the, the ridge had that, that gradient yeah. Yeah. to it. Um, 
And I, I, when I did the game, I thought, well, I've got to try and replicate some of that. So I reduced the visibility from 54 inches for Grand Manor yeah. down to 48 just for yeah. that game. So things we we play with blinds. So you start mm. with blinds, and that, and that really that's just about ensuring that guys don't say, "Oh, there's a cavalry brigade over there. <laughs> I'm going to put my cavalry brigade here to see it yeah. off." Um, and I I decided to put uh, the Battle of Plancenoir on mm. a separate table. All right, yeah, good idea. Historically, it was always on the backboard, mm. and you'd fight around this six feet. So it did have its own space. But when you go to Plancenoir, you you can't see anything of the battlefield yeah. of Waterloo really, and it's only if you get up onto a, a rise where the Prussian monument is now, you can actually see over the fields to where the Prussians were coming in hmm. from the east or the northeast. Yeah, and um, it just meant that I thought to myself, right, if I have an exit point on the battlefield for the reinforcement of Plancenoir. Hmm. The French will become aware when the Prussians are arriving, and the Prussians arrived on this 15-foot table and started making their way down the table before they even populated Plancenoir. So the yeah. French then decided to put out the cavalry brigade to try and slow them down. It was all quite a historical feel to it, but I obviously give all the gamers free reign. You know, they can put in yeah. what they want. They yeah. can ignore it completely and try and smash the British ridge or the British yeah. Allied ridge, or they can dive in and mm. engage the Prussians. And these lads, um, they put in one of the divisions from Laval's Corps, and then mm. the other division from Laval's Corps was supporting the centre, the push mm. with Durlon up the, up the slopes. Uh, Ray was around Hougamont, so that was in, in, in its own right. That was a battle in itself. But Plancenoir just developed into this thing where the division got down there. There was a, a light cavalry brigade. There was two regiments of light cavalry that rushed out and were trying to delay mm. the Prussians. As the Prussians were coming in, the French then got a bit more nervous about it. And they did put <laughs> one of the young guard brigades went down there and was helping out. But they that meant the French had a lot more in the middle yeah. fighting against the Allies. I had to push up the slope. Um, you know, I, it, it, it was working really well for the French. But then the Brits counterattacked with the with the, cav the heavy cavalry brigades, yeah. uh, the Union Brigade. Um, and, the, and the household, and, they, and it just smashed the infantry because it was all getting a bit worn. So it really gave, put it yeah. on the back. Then the French released the guard down. You know, yeah. it, it was it was all swings and roundabouts. La Haye sank, fell eventually. So it's all quite a historical feel to it. And yeah. then the next games, I did war, I did Napoleonic for the next sets, and I had some you know guys that book the weekend with a club. But I think I mentioned to you before, Ken, it might not have been on the, the, the podcast, but certainly in conversation, it went it went mad. As soon as I said, I was, oh, we're reopening, it yeah. just filled up like that. Wow. And now this year, as I said, it, it's full again. And th there's a downside to that because I still want people to be able to experience it. And I never like to say, look, sorry, we're full. You'll have to come back and next it, year. It, is it people returning or is, or is the new no, people no, coming but, along? no. This is the social media aspect. That's the marketing that I'm doing there is literally just sharing photographs, talking about mm. the games, but also promoting other aspects of the hobby, yours included. You know, yeah, yeah. all of these guys are doing really, really good stuff. David Emery, I'm a massive fan of the work. Yeah, he's doing. brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and I put all that stuff. Chris Cornwall's done some fantastic work with the Renaissance stuff. You've seen, yeah, that. yeah. So all that just lends to the marketing exercise where you know. The, 
the guys are, are they're quite keen to come for their first experience. I get I've had to turn away two clubs, which is not wow. where I want to be. Yeah, but I'm you know I've got one already booked in for January, the end of January next year. <laughs> Superb. Yeah, it's, it's bonkers, absolutely bonkers. And people and before the, people said that the big game was dead, mate, and we're we're proving them wrong, aren't we? <laughs> we're proving them wrong. <laughs> Have you got any well, skirmish? Think, have you got any skirmish weekends going? <laughs> no, you haven't, have well, you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I do chain of command weekends. So technically, in yeah. isolation, each player has his own skirmish because they're only you know it's a, they're at a platoon level, squad level, yeah. whatever it might be. But the table is still thirty feet by twelve feet, and yeah. it's got so much terrain on it. Yeah. Yeah, they just look fantastic. It look, it look, you know, model railway enthusiasts eat your heart out. This this is really looking great. We're, when fi- they do that we're, we're fighting back against the model railway guys. <laughs> That's what I like to see. That's what I like to yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. So you've got some new stuff coming up this year. Um, so what, what what's your your new periods for the year? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm going, I'm doing a lot more this year. English Civil War, that's a new one for me. Yeah, Indian I wasn't aware Mutiny. of that. So Indian Mutiny, we've done that before. Yeah. Um, English Civil War, we're using the rules that um, Steve Thompson's written. Now, yeah. these all have a framework to them, much like, you know, you might have Black Powder has a framework, yeah. and they amend it with their supplements. Well, Steve does that within the rule set. So yeah. As long as you understand the basis, we did yeah. the um, Don Featherstone last year. We did the Zulu Wars, yeah, and we did uh, the Battle of uh, Alundi. We did the Battle of uh, sorry, not Alundi, um, Isandwana. Yeah, and forgive me, I might get this wrong, but it's Nazim River. I believe that's the pronunciation. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah well, don't uh, worry about pronunciation on this this one, mate, because uh, <laughs> you get you know I've tried to do I've tried to do Italian with a Bradford accent, and it's just not worked very well. <laughs> well. It worked for me. It worked for me. So, um, yeah, doing all that stuff with Steve Thompson, he's written some great rules, and he's doing it for a charitable cause. So you can get it, get the rules for free from his site, yeah. or you can donate. So for oh, me, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, and it's all going to a good cause for combat stress. So next year... <clears throat> I've got more of that going on. I'm looking to do more Renaissance work with, but this time I'll be using Steve's rules. He's got an excellent set of rules, Landschnecht, that work yeah. really well. The thing is with the rules is that it's um, not card, but he uses dice uh, yeah. instead of cards. Um, it's fast. Yeah. And it's bloody good fun. I mean, mm. you know, you've got the gentleman in there, the, you know, the hero that yeah. might do something special on the day. Of, yeah. You know, Doppel soldier who actually manages to knock the commander over. <laughs> so it, the whole thing feels like you're having a good time. So I've got all those going on. I'm actually bringing back my um, ACW game. So oh, next wow. year. Yeah. So this year we're doing Shiloh. Uh, that's going to be with Pickett's Charge, which is Dave Brown's um, rules. And we I've done Guns of Gettysburg before. Pickett's yeah. Charge is... You know, in my opinion, it's an improvement on um, Gettysburg, but it comes to Gettysburg, but it, it's slightly different. It's a different Yeah, style. yeah. I've been and looking into those myself recently, actually, in the um, the Pickett's Charge, and they look like a, a decent set of rules. They're not 
they're not too modern to put me off completely, but there's enough in there to kind of get your teeth into. I think they look quite good. Yeah. I mean, would they suit your Italian unification? Yeah. Strangely, I was thinking about that um, because um, I've been struggling to find a set of rules for for the Italian Wars of Independence and Garibaldi. So, uh, yeah, I might um, I might put a check in the post and, and get a copy of Pickett's Charge and uh, and see what we can do. Maybe Italianise yeah. them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the great side of it. You can tweak all this stuff, can't you? Yeah. yeah. Get it to work for you. So, uh, again, your fault. We were talking about this before we came on the podcast. I'm now thinking <laughs> of doing the Crusades. Third Crusade, probably the speciality. I want yeah. to move on to do something like Hatton um, as a game. Uh, I've already bought 15 boxes of Crusade. Wow. Wow. <laughs> But I've obviously got to have a lot more of the um, the the, um, the the Arab cavalry, Saladin's uh, troops. Yeah, um, I think that's that's one of the problems that we found is that we've um, to keep on top of you know how getting Saladin's troops up and to have the right numbers of those because it's great you come out and you you paint this lovely shining Knights of Saint Lazarus and you think oh, that's fantastic that and you think. I probably need three or four Arab cavalry of the same size to get a reasonable yeah. game from this. Um, and that, when I started, I was—I've um, always wanted one of those armies with, you know, fully armored knights, caparisons, flowing in the wind. It, it, yeah. it all looks fantastic. And then I've painted an absolute shed load of them, and I thought, oh bloody hell, I need some Arabs now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 I followed your lead. I've. Um... You know, I've got shed loads of them from Gripping Beast. Yeah. Um, and I've taken some of the Perry stuff to mix in with that, for, you know, yeah. just to command stands and whatnot. Yeah. Um, big Man Studios for the, the yeah. Shield. Superb, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm getting a lot of the banners as well. All that's being sorted out with that. Um, so that's all good. We're doing a chain of command next year. I'm committing to it here, Ken. So oh, it's, there. it's here and now. Exclusive. thing. It's a yeah, an exclusive. You've got it. I want, we we've always talked about doing Carantan, and Chris and I and a friend of mine, Mark Waple, had, had you know put our heads together. Mark did a hell of a lot of research. Chris is quite knowledgeable about the whole period anyway. Um, and Mark went out and got the entire U.S. Airborne as well as Sixth yeah. Ultimate to 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 present that and do that. And that's probably that was pre-lockdown. Yeah. And then the lockdown kind of put the kibosh on it. So what we'll, what the intent will be is that we'll do the chain of command in a linked mm. campaign over the 30 feet. So you'll have the one big table wow. that looks uh, like Carantan, yeah. but they'll fight over the chicken coop at the beginning. <laughs> or in the town itself, you know. And then yeah. there'll be the fighting around the train station, Carantan train station. And then we'll have bloody gulch, and it will culminate in a fourth scenario when we get there. So that's going to be on the books. I want to get the buildings right, so yeah. uh, there's a number of sources we can go down there. Yeah. Charlie Foxtrot, I was talking to him at the beginning, and he was talking about doing Carantan Station and all that good stuff. So I need to reach out to that fella and um, see if it's still on the on the cards. Absolutely fantastic. Sounds like a, a great catalogue of stuff coming up. Um, yeah. And um, you're going to get a visit from the Yorkshire Gamer themselves yeah. uh, in a yeah. few weeks' time. 
Um, and that's for the uh, Donald Featherstone weekend. So um, just tell us a little bit just about the history of that weekend, not particularly this weekend coming up, but, you know, where it's come from and what, what oh, it's okay. for in the past. Well, this is going back probably the same weekend that I met Simon Miller, oddly enough. Mm. But I was I, I, I used to do a presentation-type booth, if you like, at um, some of the shows. Yeah. And I was at Colours, and this is like, I think this is going back to 2012. Yeah. Yeah, 2012. And um, I'm Henry Hyde, who I'd been engaged with, um, mm. he was at the initial war games. He came running up to me and he said, uh, oh, uh, I need you to come and meet somebody. Uh, and yeah. I said, oh, Ron Miles, is the, it was the fellow's name. Yeah. And uh, he said, oh, okay, uh, give us a sec. You know, I'm just doing this. And my videos were running in the background. Yeah. So I said, let me get somebody to mind this, because I had all the figures on the front, you know, and there were yeah. no prizes. <laughs> so I didn't want to come back and find the stand the cavalry had been bought by um, So... We went off, and I kid you not, we went into the broom cupboard at the Newbury Racecourse. Nice, nice. Salubrious. Yeah, I was, you know how it is. You stop at the door and you say, where are you taking me, Henry? <laughs> <laughs> so we went in. I met this guy, Ron. Um, we met some of the guys who were running the Newbury, the Salute show as well. I beg your pardon, not Salute, Colours, my apologies. Yeah. And um, they talked about Ron's dream Don had died not long before that, yeah. and Ron wanted to award this tureen that he'd had engraved. So it's a crystal tureen, it had been engraved. Yeah. You've got a, a Zulu, a British Zulu uh, instrument, mm. and a Zulu warrior on one side. So they're both yeah. either side of a, 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 um, of a, uh, a badge. And then underneath, I just list all the guys that are listed as the most gentlemanly player yeah. for for that that time you know yeah and in talking to these guys ron wanted to award it to as a tournament thing you know yeah. so winning the x tournament would get it on there yeah and i said to him well look i'm running the war game center I, I can guarantee i'll do it every year mm. and i think the first year we had it there were 18 people yeah you know turned up to play it and i've got that this year ken yeah and fluctuated between you know over the years it's fluctuated a bit but it started in that broom cupboard and the, on the first one we actually got don featherson's daughter came along and she awarded the prize oh fantastic and, yeah it was great for me jane she was a lovely woman she brought her husband along and really good people um and since then you know we've been running uh is that your end or my end i think you're dipping off a little bit oh okay apologies i'll talk louder louder Louder, shout! Uh, yeah, so in running it, we um, we have an evening meal uh, on yeah. the Saturday. That's a three-course silver service. We dress up a little bit, so we put a suit on. Or I mean, it's not compulsory. Uh, and some of the lads turn up, and they look like some of them look like they've come straight out of the Victorian period, you know, <laughs> with the coats and top hats and all yeah. sorts. Of stuff. And we award um, the, the the most best dressed gentleman of the evening to get so award an award and it's a oh. dolly that's probably about yay big yeah uh, and, and typical war game of fashion or you know lads fashion it got returned to me after the second year and someone had drawn a mustache on it you know <laughs> <laughs> so we do the award once we've done the award for that we then do um an auction in the, yeah. in the evening 
We have after-dinner speakers. This year, Robbie Rodders is going to talk about his engagement with Peter Gilder and what he's brought oh, forward Peter Gilder. Yeah, good old Robbie. Years, I've had some, you know, salubrious guests that have come along. Dave Brown, Charlie Wesencraft, who yeah. is the author of, yeah. the, of the rule sets. He, he was another one. And, uh, you know, we've done a lot of those. Um, mm. The guy from Empress Miniatures, he did a spot. Uh, so yeah, it's it's all about that. We do the the auction after the guest does the speaking, and mm. then um, at the auction, all the proceeds of the auction go to the charity as well. So I yeah. do a donation. So whatever the lads pay me, yeah, a percentage of that goes to the charity as well. And I think we did thirteen hundred pounds last year. Nice, it's, very nice. You know, it's not you know it's not the world, but it's something. Yeah, no, it's always always good. And uh, so, what's planned for this year then, mate? What have we what have we got planned for the weekend uh, this time round? Well, it's a big old um, Italian Renaissance, um, early Italian Renaissance. So um, we've got something crazy like twenty battaglia um, laid out, and I think Chris and I were talking about the amount of knights that we've got on this thirty foot table, and we've got in excess of three hundred between us you know yeah that's not including any of the normal cavalry or the or the writer writers or the yeah. stradio or any of that stuff yeah that's yeah we haven't included any of that this is just the meaty <laughs> <laughs> armored stuff <clears throat> and, a, and a lot of pike so what we're doing uh is a, a what if so yeah so um Swiss coming down through Italy, meeting up yeah. with some of the Italian state, northern Italian states. The French mm. trying to stop them. Um, we've got um, we've got other Italian states fighting the Spanish. Oh, nice! Uh, so, you know, so we've got we've got again. We're going to do something similar to we do with the chain of command. And I've done this before. We lay out the whole table, so you'll have the thirty feet of table, yeah. and it will be divided by um, a landscape, a terrain feature. One battle will result, you know, offer a result uh, and either improvement, improvement mm. or detriment to the next battle. So it's a ladder, and yeah. um, you know, and then we'll have two battles going on at the same time. And then the mm. next battle, there'll be a mix of the battalia, so guys can start bidding or you know working on whether they've got extra troops they can bring in, mm. or if they bring benefit to the troops. The troops have got more elan in the next battle. Yeah. Yeah, they've won. You know, the militia aren't quite the same militia anymore. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah. So that'll be on the Friday through to the Saturday. Yeah, uh, and probably lunchtime Saturday after lunch, we'll do another game. Yeah, and then we'll culminate some Sunday morning. It will be a yeah. new a new battle with all the you know the the benefits yeah. that go with from the previous battles. Super. And what rule set are, are we using? We're using uh, <clears throat> now. People are going to come to me now and say, "Can I have a copy of your amendment?" <laughs> um, but we're using Pike and Shot, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm writing it. I'm, I'm writing it down because I might have to read it because I've never used them. So, oh right. Well, you can get a PDF from it if you've played. I, I've Black got a P I've got. I've got a PDF of it because it was free. I think that's why I've got yeah, one. So you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> I have got the hard copy of the book as well, though. So to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be Pike and Shot. We've amended it, not tremendously, I don't think, but yeah. we've amended it 
we've, we've as a chap called Oli Khan has got some very sensible ideas. And uh, one James, of guys James Roach. You got it. Yeah, I and know then, James. Yeah, he's a friend of mine. Yeah, so he's got some cracking ideas. Um, and also a guy called Brian Horrocks, who comes mm. along from Blackpool Club. He's done a hell of a lot of study and, you know, much like James. And yeah. so we're taking a mix of both of those. You know, I've got to make it so that it's fun to play. I need to mm. ensure that it's got some legs to it, that it's not all over by tea time or Friday. <laughs> yeah. But also, it's the key, and always the key to this, is that people have a good time and they're, yeah. and they're enjoying what they're doing. And ultimately, it's fair. It needs yeah. to be fair. And reflect the period. That's the key thing. Yeah, the Donald Featherstone weekend, the games change each year, don't they? They're not, it's not the same. Um, so is, is the Italian Wars going to become one of the regular things outside of the Don Featherstone weekend? Yeah, that's the plan. So I, I, given that we only do... I think we did 12 weekends a year. We, this year we did 13 because um, some of the regulars obviously just weren't getting in. So I put another game on for those guys. But it, the, the plan is to do 12. And in there, I'm looking to put in the ACW, uh, World War Two. So I've got two ranges of World War Two. I've yeah. got 20 mil scale with all those lovely mixed seal buildings. Mm. Um, and I've got the 28 mil scale. I've also got the Sudan. I've got the ancient period. I want to bring in something like Hatton. If I can get my act together, that will be late next year, or it might yeah. be 2024. Good Lord, 2024. Right, okay. it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it is uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a hell of a lot going on. Last, my, my, my period is Napoleonic, mm. so, and that's our bread and butter. You know, that, that's where we really have a lot of uh, mm. the, you know, regulars coming in to do the Napoleonic. Yeah. But I'm also getting a, you know, a lot of those guys that do the Napoleonic, they're all looking over the fence saying, oh, what are you doing there? You're doing a bit of English Civil War. I fancy that. I've never done it before. You know, wow. it's that kind of thing. So, yeah, ECW, Indian Mutiny. I've even got a chance of the Boxer Rebellion. <laughs> Pretty busy. Lots of new stuff coming online. Uh, yeah, sounds definitely. like um, it's, it's nearly becoming a full-time job. I don't think it'll ever become a full-time job, but certainly, you know, the prep, I've done this before in the last podcast, the prep takes time. Yeah. Um, now that I take everything to the premises, it's not located there full-time, yeah. that, you know, that the prep takes me the best part of half a day in hours. It's probably yeah. about eight hours work. I don't have to do it all in the same day, so I do it gradually. Yeah. Um, and the, and the transport from the storage down to where I play it, I'm in a position now, it's just a good workout every month, but I can do it within two hours. So, you know. It's like free gym, free gym membership. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you'll see, Ken, when you turn up, you'll see the size of the boards and they're all, um, they've got loads of muck on them. So, you know, the, the sand and, yeah. and polish. Uh, PVA and all that mix is on the board, so it adds to the weight of the already heavy chipboard. And do you not try and persuade people to come early and give you a hand? No. <laughs> I, I do get people volunteering to do it, which is very kind of them. But in, yeah. invariably, what happens is they're not. You know, I, it's just being familiar with it. You know, I've yeah. had boards dropped, and yeah. guys, no one ever does it on purpose, but stuff happens. And because it's a little bit precious to me when I'm setting it all up, 
Yeah. I like to get it right. And then I go around and check it all and redo it. And of course, people think, oh, I thought I'd done that right. And I don't want that feeling. <laughs> So I, 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 I thank them. Um, I've got a couple of guys. Bob Winch helps me occasionally when he comes down with his yeah. group and has been doing it for the last 11 years. So, you know, yeah. he's an old hand. And, and obviously Chris does a lot. Um, Steve Thompson does all his own stuff. So when he did the Zulu Wars, he turns up with all the kit. I yeah. literally just put the tables out. Nice. Nice. You can sit in the corner having a brew and watching somebody else do the hard work. Oh, no, I ran the... Um, Rourke's Drift. I've got to tell you, I thought, how on earth are you going to get this to work? There's a load, it was 124 British infantrymen in, yeah. a, in, a, in a, a defensive position and 3,000 Zulus. How's that going to work? He got it, he got it spot on. It worked. Oh, brilliant. So if you're into your skirmish gaming on a big scale. It's on a big scale. Yeah, have a look at Steve's site, SKT War Games on Facebook. Is that um, is that sort of one to one, one hundred and twenty six British and one to one three thousand Zulus? Well, he broke it down into sections, so you've got eight figures, but there is there is one hundred and twenty four, and then he's got the guys who play a part like um, the commissar and the, the two mm. the two lieutenants or the guys in charge. Forgive me, they are lieutenants. I think they are. Yeah, um, those guys are they're in it. But they're like a hero aspect, so they'll add something to a turn, mm. but they can only do it once. Or, yeah. You know, they, or they can get the card to be returned, or they can you can roll the dice again to affect the outcome. So there's a there's an excitement aspect to it. And Steve had done all the terrain as well, so the whole of Rourke's Drift was laid before them as well. Superb, absolutely it was, superb. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I love all that. I love all that. Yeah. It's got to look right. I mean, it's great painting all these lovely figures. But it needs to be on a table that reflects and supports what you've done. Yeah, you know. That's, yeah, that's. But there's also the aspect I'm rubbish at painting, but I love doing a bit of terrain. Ah, well, we we work well together then, Mark, because I love painting <laughs> and I just can't be bothered with terrain. I've oh, got. Yeah, uh, I love it. Have you seen the Sweeney stuff that I do? The twenty-eight, yeah. the cops and robbers stuff. I found yeah. a guy now who makes the buildings for me. And that's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's like a tenner to put them together, and it takes me like a whole day and 27 cups of tea and 15 biscuits. So I, I'm saving alone on, on food and uh, food and uh, tea purely on that. So, uh, in fact, another one arrived uh, yesterday, so uh, I'm, I've got quite a little uh, town and city building up now. So uh, I must admit, I do look forward to your monthly update on your progress. So... That, I find that as a, a bit of an inspiration for me because I'm still working on a number of projects, getting some, even some of the command stands for this coming weekend yeah. for the Italian. Can we bring our own command stand? Of course you can. I'll, I'll bring the Cesare Borgia stand and I'll... I'd like to see more than one of your command stands. You can bring as many as you like, Ken. <laughs> I love That's one thing I'm always keen on. I've got a fellow who brings um, a lot of Austrian to the Napoleonics. Yeah. He brings his own kit. And yeah. he goes into a lot of the little vignette stuff. So he's got the ammunition wagons with yeah. guys sat around having a fag and, or, you know, next to the ammunition wagon and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and I love all that. And he brings his own battalions because he wants to get them on a table and he takes yeah. loads of photographs. So it's all that, you know. You just want to. Well, well yeah. Well, um, we need to keep an eye on Robbie um, if I bring the 
Bourgeois one because he's uh, he's got his eye on it like command he's stand. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was he was he was doing a lot of it with an R in and kind of suggested that he might want to buy it off me. So. Well, you can always do another one. Oh, he's a fantastic guy. He was he was, uh, he was on he was on this show episode fourteen, and um, it was just I, I just spent all the two hours just laughing my head off because he was he's just constantly telling stories. He really is yeah. a great guy. Really is a great guy. What about his ceiling with the table? Cut? Yeah, he had all the weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's proper proper big gaming when you you know you you're struggling with floor support because of the volume of figures or terrain or whatever you've got. Um, another guy, um, uh, Chris Flowers, who's uh, quite big into his Napoleonics, he's, uh, he had a similar thing when he moved into a new house and it was kind of, how much weight have you got in that room? Because that joists look like they're bending a bit. <laughs> Yeah, too bloody right, too bloody right. Well, it's been fantastic catching up with you, mate. It's been uh, it's been great fun. Thanks for coming back on the show and uh, updating on us where you are with stuff. Um, if people want to book, where do they go? They can go to www.wargameshc.com. Brilliant. And they've got sod all chance to get in this year, unless it's Italian. Indian Mutiny, did you say? Yeah, Indian Mutiny, I can't remember off the top of my head because obviously we had an influx at the beginning of the week. Um, but I've still got spaces uh, and the English Civil War is nearly full. So yeah. get, book early. Book early. Hey, what are you using rule-wise for English Civil War? You... Again, it's going to be Steve, Sim Steve, Steve Thompson. Yeah. Because he's done um, a, a, book, a set called a very, a very Uncivil Affair. Ah, excellent. Now, if, if, you, if the guys are on Facebook, they'll find it on there. SKT War Games, and yeah. you'll find That's yeah. brilliant. Well, thanks once again, Mark, and I'll see you in a few weeks' time. Yeah, I look forward to it, Ken. You take care. Well, it's always lovely to catch up with Mark. He's a lovely guy. And uh, he put his Brentford shirt on. Um, during the interview so I always have my Bradford City shirt on when I'm interviewing and uh, Mark put the Brentford uh, shirt on so we had a bit of banter before the uh, the start of the interview and it was lovely to catch up to him he's always such a happy friendly guy and I'm really looking forward to meeting him in person at the Donald Featherstone weekend in a couple of weeks time so it's time for our final interview and we're going to be speaking to our resident medieval, Scottish medieval historian uh, with uh, an interest in Arnhem and uh, the battles around there in World War II. Um, published author with 15 books, I believe, uh, to his name or maybe more. And um, we're going to catch up with Chris because um, he was unable to do his uh, big warm gaming event um, in Arnhem. Uh, last year due to COVID and um, we'll catch up and see what plans he's got for this year. Hello everyone and uh, you'll remember back in March last year I spoke to Dr Chris Brown and uh, we uh, had a lovely chat about all things wargaming and stupid projects in 28mm and his career in history etc. So welcome back to the show Chris, how are you? I'm very well, nice to be here. Excellent. A struggle as it was. 
Yeah, we we uh, we had some tech issues before we uh, managed to start recording, um, but uh, we, we've both taken to drink, haven't we, Chris, this afternoon? Although it's early, um, we needed some uh, top ups to keep us going after that to uh, getting logged on. So we deserve them, even if we didn't need them. We deserve, we deserve exactly, a good exactly. Well, I'll, I'll just um, be- before we start chatting, Chris, I'll just tell a quick story. Um, I was up in Edinburgh um, last year and um, back end of last year, and uh, we went into the castle. I've not been in the castle for twenty five years plus, doing the, doing the touristy thing, and uh, we're in the uh, we're in the shop at the end, and uh, in amongst all the plastic knights and stuff was a copy of King and Outlaw by oh. a certain Chris Brown. <laughs> Can't imagine who that would be. Oh, wait a minute, it's me. So it is, yes. <laughs> Did you know you were on sale in the castle? Um, it's a good bet. Um, for well, a couple of years, I suppose, I taught a class in there for Edinburgh University, which oh, was marvellous because you've got you know, a tremendous museum collection on hand. So instead of showing people, oh, here's a picture of a 25-pounder and we'll discuss field guns, it's, yeah. We'll discuss field guns. Then we'll go and look at a twenty-five pounder. There's one just out here, oh, so that fantastic. was that was splendid, and um, and obviously applied to just about anything else you like. It was sometimes challenging. I, I asked the director of the museum one day if I could borrow a Bren gun to show the class, <laughs> yeah, a number four rifle. Now I know they've got lots of these things. You know, they've got boxes full of them. You know, square yeah. ones that are never on show and easily accessible. And he said, oh, there, there are so many reasons why I couldn't do that. I can't begin to tell you, but which is what people say when there's no good reason at all. Yeah. Um, fortunately, one of the castle staff who are allowed to come in and out of these yeah. university lectures asked me about it and said, well, I've got a number four rifle. I'll just pop down to my flat and get it, which oh. he dutifully did. <laughs> uh, so, so it was marvellous. Uh, he just walked in with it. And I'm talking to the class, obviously. I started taking it to bits. And once I'd laid it out, it occurred to me that if I hadn't been busy talking to the class, I would probably have struggled with it. Because it's ah, been a muscle little, memory. Muscle memory. It, well, it, it had been a little while, you know, like yeah. give or take um, you know, 40 years. Um, mm. But, you know, because I didn't have to think about it as it was. So, uh, bolt action, here we go, you know. <laughs> Real, actual, real bolt action. Yeah, yeah, genuine thing. <laughs> so um, you've, uh, we were just talking a little bit before we started, and you mentioned that you were potentially moving house, and it, it's fallen through, um, through no uh, fault of yours, I might add. Um, and you'd sold some collections on. I'd, I'd noticed, it's, has the 50 more, 54 mil World War II stuff, has that gone? It did. It did indeed. It went to a, a happy home where it will be cherished and enjoyed. We had a nightmare trip down to Sheffield to deliver it. But, oh, you know, wow. that's life is like that. Yeah. Um, but it was never getting used here. And it took up so much space, not so much the figures, but the mm. vehicles and the buildings. There were a dozen enormous buildings. Um, well, one of which was more or less a two foot cube. So, yeah. you know, by the time you've got a few of them, it's a lot of space taken up. <laughs> we, 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 were, we, we were hardly using it. It's heartbreaking because it's one of our favourite things, but off it went. You, lots it's, of the, the, your viewers will have seen this collection before. It used to belong to, uh, oh, my God, I've forgotten his name. John, uh, John, John Lander. 
John Lander. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And um, there's lots of pictures come up from time to time on the World Game Holiday Centre Facebook yeah. page and in their website. So, like I say, it was heartbreaking for them to go, but yeah, they had to go. They really did. Well, they're, um, in, they're in a good home, are they, Chris? They are indeed. And masses of other stuff went um, because we, we both came to the conclusion that we really had just far too much World War II kit full stop because we did yeah. everything as companies. Yeah. And Pat, at one point, I think, had seven different World War II German companies. One, one, yeah, one figure is one man with mm. all the relevant bells and whistles, you know, because we don't, because we're stupid, really. You know, <laughs> a, a pair of medium machine guns, a pair of medium mortars, a pair of anti-tank guns, because that's how things are doled out. You know, the the bolt action premise of I've got an army with five squads of five men plus one field gun, one machine gun, one tank, one armored car, one carrier, one hair dryer. Yeah. I may be exaggerating <laughs> when it comes to the hair dryer. It's yeah. just not how we play the games. So of these seven companies, several of them went. And oh, I think okay. I sold I think I sold three air landing companies of British Paras alone. So we're trimmed wow. down to a mere three or four hundred paras. <laughs> I know it's a, it, it's an embarrassment. But well, we'll, such we'll a just life. yeah, we'll just remind the listeners that um, Pat is your wife and uh, oh, yes, she's your regular wargaming uh, partner. Um, and uh, what's the what's the current thing um, that's that's ongoing in in your household, Chris? Well, um, we've been doing a bit of Malaya, I think. Absolutely. Yes, we've we've just had uh, two Malaya games. One of which went not badly for me, and the other one was. Just a total disaster. So we can draw a veil over that. <laughs> We're not going to talk you know, about in, that, are we? In, in a two-horse race, I came a very, very poor second. Oh uh, dear! This didn't. This didn't involve a lot of gloating. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, this did involve a lot of gloating. <laughs> this is with our. This is with our our, our home brood rules, which are absolutely built around companies in action. More yeah. often than not, company in attack, platoon in defence, because. Duh, that's what happens in real life, yeah. and it's just it's just the size of game we like, really. Mm. So we have uh, a, a very fast play set of rules for exactly that sort of thing that really depends on on pinning. It yeah. kind of grew out of bolt action for a while. We played what Pat liked to call Albliba, which is short for a little bit like bolt action. And <laughs> uh, we, we'll use we continue to use bolt action for for games at events, your games at shows. We'll use yeah. bolt action when we go to um, Arnhem in September and for mm. our other event at Stirling in July, which is a, a Normandy-themed event. Yeah. But um, for ourselves, and in due course, anybody who's interested, our own our own set will be a thing. It's D12-based. It really depends on pinning. It's, it's real connection still to bolt action is we use the bag. We don't use the yeah. dice. But we use the bag. We have order chits instead, which are much more flexible. Oh, it's not a game that many people would really enjoy. It's far too, it's far too immersed in history, and it's all about outcomes rather than process. So you're not counting up. There's a bloke with an assault rifle. There's two chaps with SMGs. There's bloke, mm. a bloke with a hair dryer, obviously, and so on and so forth. It's just this is the section, or this is the squad. This is what it can do as a section, as a squad. And and we carry on from there. Um, 
I think when it's when, when I've I've started writing it up now, and I think it's going to run to a full two pages of A4. Oh, well, what can I say? A full, a full um, two pages. Yep, it's very much focused <laughs> on 1944. If uh, if 1967 was the summer of love, 1944 is the summer of hate. Peace, love, and heavy Pe- weapons. Yeah, yeah, peace, love, and light <laughs> automatic fire from which you must take cover right now. Um, and it's, we've kind of got two variants of it, one for Burma and one for essentially Normandy and France, because although the kit's the same entirely for, for the Allied side, or for the Commonwealth side, really, um, obviously there is some considerable difference between the Germans and the Japanese, mm. and there's different a different ethos, if you like, to the battle. So um, it, it's, it's coming along quite nicely, and one day, oh, probably in the not unforeseeable future, I will I will make it to available to anybody who's sad enough to want to give it a shot. Oh, but, well, um, I look forward to that, Chris. I look forward it's, to it's, that. It's That'll a lot of it's a lot of figures on your table. And that's what we like. That's of, what we like. A great deal of pinning and a great deal of running away. Running Next. away is the most is the most commonly and perfectly executed piece of military maneuver. Everybody runs away and everybody gets good at it, including the Japanese. Contrary mm. to what people might like to think, so um, yes, this is a base, a game based very much on. You, you may well have seen the only worthwhile medieval documentary history movie, which is uh, In Search of the Holy Grail. I thought you were going to say Braveheart, then, Chris. The best bit in Braveheart <laughs> is when the little spaceship springs a leak and Tom Hanks thinks he'll run out of oxygen before they get back to Earth. Meanwhile, Wyatt yeah. Earp, in his, in his guise as a Knight Templar, is working on Wall Street as a money launderer. That's the important <laughs> bits of Braveheart. Well, our, our, our viewers did, uh, our listeners did very much enjoy your uh, previous review of Braveheart. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'd forgotten I'd given you one. I do it regularly. <laughs> Oh, yeah, shut up, it, <laughs> it was one. Of, it was one of the one of the highlights of uh, of our previous uh, chat. Um, oh when, God! We've been in a very dire chat then. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we when we when we talked last time, we, we, we were in the middle of COVID, and you were hoping we all had our fingers crossed that you'd managed to get uh, a war a war gaming event done in Arnhem, and um, and I think it was the second or third time you've done it. Um, but that sadly didn't come off. Um, but Fingers crossed. What are we hoping it's for looking this good. year? It, looking it, good. It's looking good. Yep. Um, we've secured a good rate for hotel rooms, especially if you're sharing a room with a pal. And yeah. how often how often do you get to play your war games in a building that's been fought through? Exactly. Not that often. And you're about, I mean, I'm sure you'll probably all have seen uh, a bridge too far, a bleak, an hour too long, a bleak, a star too many. An hour too short, surely, Chris. <laughs> uh, I'm inclined that way, yes. Mm. Um, it's about 100 yards from the Elizabeth Hospital, for you Arnhem geeks out there, of which there must be a few, 100 yards from the Elizabeth Hospital, about 100 yards from where um, Urquhart hid out overnight, having got lost. Yeah. And really... It's it's in my view it's it's right on the most crucial axis of the battle, mm. um, the road the the, the the riverside road heading toward um, the city centre from from the landing fields. It's the road that John Frost's battalion takes, and then afterwards um, all the other just about all the other battalions have a shot at getting down the space in order to get to the bridge, and the um, the, the frontage is tiny. 
at one point there are two quite separate battalion actions going on on a frontage between them of perhaps 150 yards well, at, at most because yeah. you're bounded by the river on one side and the mm. railway cutting on the other and, yeah. and neither of these actions are really particularly related to each other except they have the same objective oh for god's sakes let's get to the bridge um, so it, it's a it's a tight space. Um, you'll seen there's lots of famous pictures of Arnhem, a whole string of them, with a unit of Stokes travelling down a road. One yeah, we, um, has... we 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 showed that picture on the, um, the video that. version of this. So uh, if you haven't seen it, have a quick look at that. And um, the hotel the hotel's behind the Stug, isn't it? Yeah, it's lurking there, hiding. Um, <laughs> so, but, so it, but it's looking good. The stud and, won't be there, though, Chris, will it? When during this year's, will he... sadly, no. I, mean, <laughs> I, I would love to clamber over one. Yeah. I, I have stood beside one, but I've never clambered into one. There's there's one at the Bobbington Tank Museum, and I remember leaning against it fifty odd years ago now because it's long since I've been there. And yeah. um, they're, they're, they're dear to my heart, Stokes. I've no idea why, but they just kind of are. Yeah, um, it's kind of like a utility vehicle, isn't it? They seem to pop up everywhere and be part yeah. of so many different divisions that weren't tank divisions. And, um, oh, they're crucial. So it's, yeah. Yeah. And the British and the Americans never develop such a thing because you never need to. Um, mm. they, they can, they, they can uh, provide, manufacture massive quantities of tanks. And of course, the tanks are much more expensive and difficult thing to make because you've got a rotating turret. Whereas the Stug really is an armoured gun on wheels. It's there for yeah. infantry support in a close and immediate sort of a way. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's a box with a gun, really, isn't it? Box with a gun very, on, we on wheels and the tracks. Very much. There's really very little changes in them in the space of, well, in the duration of the war, they get better guns. They start yeah. to make them as better metal for the armour, but it's kind of about it, you know. It's, um, yeah. But yes, utility piece, you're quite right. So, um, so what, much what, as I would like the stuff to be there, I'm afraid it won't be. <laughs> what have you got planned then? Because I think you're going to do a little bit of a walk and talk and a bit of a tour and that sort of thing. Is that still on? Um, if there's, we, we've done this before, and if there's enough interest, we'll run a bus to the less accessible areas of the battlefield, particularly mm. the, uh, the drop zones, and um, and to the commemorative para drop that takes place on Ginkle Heath. Yeah. So there'll be literally hundreds and hundreds of paratroopers leaping out of air aircraft, and if previous experience is anything to go by, maybe a hundred plus contemporary military vehicles wow. and lots of reenactors. So mm. it's, it's it's well worth a shafty. But it's difficult to get out to Ginkle Heath unless you hire a bus or you've got a car. A bus is actually the best way because you can all get off the bus and tell the, chat, the driver to you know, come back in an hour and a half and pick us all up. Yeah. And that, that's worked well. So hopefully we'll do that again. I'll pretty certainly I will do a, a kind of walk and talk probably on Sunday morning in the immediate vicinity of the hotel because there's just so much goes on there. And yeah. um, failure to keep that axis of advance open to the bridge guarantees failure of the operation, really. So um, when, when we spoke last time, then, um, I think you were saying that, because you've written a few books about Arnhem, haven't you? I'm afraid so. 
You pro- you, I think your publisher was trying to find you, or you were hiding from your publisher. I can't remember which it was. Uh, but my publisher has, for a good while now, has has been strongly of the opinion that it's high time I write another book, and I've yes. been strongly of the opinion that it's really not. I really don't want to write another book. <laughs> so you've, you've still you're still in retirement, then, Chris. You've not decided to and come out. Every come intention out. of staying that way. I, I've written about fifteen books, I suppose. Four or maybe five of them are. I mean, they're all pretty dull because I yeah. wrote them. Um, four <laughs> or five, four or five of them are seriously gritty academic stuff um, yeah. of no interest to anybody outside the world of medieval history, yeah. and of limited interest to most people in within the world of medieval <laughs> history. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I feel I've done my bit for the groves of academe, and I've no yeah. desire to do any more of it. It's it's a hugely taxing process that sort of thing and yeah. uh yeah, done it been there have the t-shirt have the calluses on my fingertips from too much typing um fine i don't need to do it again you know <laughs> so um what's 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 on the uh, the schedule for the weekend then have you got because uh, we, we talked about some of the games that might be coming and um uh, is it the similar similar fair I, I remember there was a there was a huge was it six mil game that was hopefully coming that i've seen some pictures of yes um there will be uh, a, a six mil game that's focused right on the bridge area and you can see pictures of the of the scenery for that on the spit war games facebook page mm. stupid projects in 28 mil it's what we do <laughs> but on this occasion this would be stupid projects in tiny scale, I think. Yeah. Keep the acronym the same, but the, the, exactly. the meaning is the same, yeah. And so. all things being equal, um, our, our friend Ludwig, who lives in Arnhem, who's a Netherlands army officer, he has a rapid fire set up, which covers oh, everything from the bridge out to the landing zones. He has all the units, uh, literally all the units, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's it's a great thing. Um, unless Ludwig's off actually doing his job as a soldier, he, he yeah. spends more time on exercises than anybody I've ever met or heard of. So I don't really quite know what he does, but I suspect <laughs> he's uh, I expect he's an adjudicator. Um, but I don't really know, and he's a little bit hazy about it. So I don't ah, know one, one of those can't, can't tell kind of occupations. Um, can't or, or, or won't. But he's a he's a very he's, <laughs> He's a lovely, affable sort of chap, and yeah. the, the layout's stupendous. I guess it's about um, about fifteen foot long, maybe, and oh, maybe really? five foot wide. Mm. But for rapid fire, is a big thing. Yeah, and uh, I guess there's probably about a hundred specific buildings that he has three D printed from you know, old photographs and uh, drawings in the city archives and that sort of thing. It's it's tremendously impressive, and of course. There'll be us doing stupid stuff. Oh, um, excellent! So we'll have some. We'll have some big twenty-eight mil games. Um, there'll be a fair, which will be essentially bolt action because it's accessible, mm. and there'll be um, lots of, you know, if you like, standard size bolt action games. I have to say, Warlord games have been tremendously supportive of us over the years, um, oh, and tremendously so. They've been abs- absolutely great. You couldn't ask for better. Um, so yeah, there'll be lots of bolt action because there's lots of bolt action players. We'll be able to take some spare bolt action armies suitable to 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 to, to the subject um, for people to borrow if they you know, if they don't have anything suitable themselves or if they're just trying it out. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, it's looking good. Sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth of September. And uh, um, how do people? How do people sort of get in contact with you to get bookings? Get get in touch with me via Facebook um, and Spit War Games Facebook page um, is is the easiest way to go about it. You can message me via that. Um, but yeah, I'm fairly findable on, on on Facebook. There's quite a lot of Chris Browns, but I don't think any of the other Chris Browns have uh, what do they call a logo? Um, this sort of emblem thing that goes beside yeah. your comments and such like. Yeah. Not many of them will have an airborne Jeep as their logo. <laughs> and, even, and, and any who do, it won't be a model of an airborne Jeep. So oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly findable. Fairly findable. Excellent. Well, via, I'll... Via, I'll I'll definitely put a link in the show notes for this because um, I know um, I've had some correspondence with a couple of people who've um, uh, who are desperate to come out and go to the Arnhem thing. So, um, oh, that's what we'll, we like to hear. We'll, we'll 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 look. I'll make sure that they know, um, and uh, hopefully um, that'll go that'll go great guns, and um, we'll we'll see plenty of pictures of it on Facebook. Um, so that, we'll just move on to um, something something else, and. Um, you, you've, you've found a place, Chris, that is is close to my heart and um, one of my fam- favourite wargaming places in the world, and that is Common Ground Games in Stirling. Um, I wrote a blog piece about it probably 10 years ago. It must be now. It's been there for a while. So how, how have you come across Common Ground Games, Chris? What's um, the story? Well, through the, the sort of Bolt Action Scotland Facebook group and so on, um, I was not aware of it, but then until two years ago, we'd lived up in Shetland for eight or nine years, and mm. we were kind of out of the way of things, other than the stuff we did in Shetland and uh, the occasional jaunt to do things in Arnhem or to go to the Claymore show. Um, so I wasn't really aware of it until really quite recently. Mm. And Pat and I went through, well, months ago, I suppose, and I'm just so taken with it. It's a brilliant facility. It is, um, isn't it? It's amazing. It is, it is. What more did you want? You know, big hall, plenty of tables, board game shop and cafe all in the same space. There's nothing else you wanted except possibly a bar. Um, yeah, yeah. We are there for uh, 9th and 10th of July. We're having a Normandy-themed event. Again, mostly bolt action, but um, some other things too. Um, waiting sort of confirmations of the other things, but I'm pretty yeah. hopeful about it. But I'd like to see any kind of game going on. Chain of Command, Ain't Been Shot, uh, Rapid Fire, um, Flames of War, anything, as long as it's Normandy-themed, which actually gives you a great deal of, of latitude because there's mm. all kinds of terrain, open countryside, dense countryside, hills and woodland, towns and cities. It's, it's you know, everything... Everything except mountains, basically. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no mountains to speak of. No, uh, and, no. and I'm happy to see anything of that nature. It's also very cheap. It's 15 quid per day, and that includes a, a, what seems to be a pretty decent lunch pack for, uh, provided by Common Ground, and, or organised by them anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to it. Brilliant. Um, because uh, the, the guy, the guy who the guy who owns it, it's a really friendly guy, isn't it? He's a really, really nice guy. He is. He's nice as ninepence. You couldn't ask for somebody more helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, there's loads of tables. He's got masses of scenery. We'll bring more scenery to make some specific things. Um, we will definitely run uh, a big 
kind of bolt action game, a multiplayer game. Um, we, we have a system so that you don't end up waiting half an hour for what, your dice to come out of the bag. The yeah. system's very, very complicated. Whoever's <laughs> running the show has... You, everybody gets eight dice. It doesn't matter how many units you've got. You get eight dice. If a unit's destroyed, you don't lose the die, but you're mm. responsible for the dice. So yeah. um, the whoever's running the show has a deck of 16 cards, eight red, eight black. Turn over a black card. All the Axis players play one die or, or more than one if they're using the, the stat to it, follow yeah. me kind of stuff. Um, turn over a red player, red, red card. All the Allied players play a die. Once the die, once the deck has been exhausted, that's the end of the turn. Everybody picks up their dice and you start again. If you neglect to pick up your dice, it's what we call your own fault. Fault. Um, <laughs> uh, we we like technical terms. Yeah, um, we call it your own fault, or if we're being posh, we call it friction. Very yeah. close fits. But it, yeah. it's it's your problem. Naturally, <laughs> if you've used a, a, a platoon order or what have you, then a point will come where. A red card or black card is turned over, but you haven't got any dice left because you've already used them. Well, yeah. that's that's life, chaps. It kind of works that way. Yeah. But it, it it works well. It hammers along quickly. It really doesn't have any victory or defeat parameters, no victory conditions. You know if you had a good day on the tabletop or a bad day on the tabletop. Yeah. But you usually know by the end of turn three, yes, I've had a bad day. Yeah, it's gone wrong. Or, it's gone wrong. Or, or in a few cases, yes, I'm having a good day. Yes, gone wrong is a, an important part of this, but um, Pat's currently painting up some standard US infantry and uh, and then she's about to embark on a company of US Airborne and we bought a shirt that's very similar to Sam Mary Glees. So you can bet your bottom dollar they're going to figure in the, in, yeah. in, in one of the big games. Or one of the small so, ones. So all that's that, all that's... All that space you've cleared out is now getting filled up again, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> pretty much totally, totally, totally filled up. And due to COVID, Pat had actually eliminated her lead mountain. Yeah. She was down to you know, a handful of figures. Wow. So obviously we, we, we had to cure that, if nothing exactly. else. Yeah. And yeah. because we'd sold masses of stuff, well, we've, we've, we've got space, you know. <laughs> um, some things have been reduced for... for for Vietnam, she's down to a mere 11 helicopters, I think it is, or maybe it's 12. Yeah. It, got, it did get a little bit out of hand. Um, nothing nothing wrong we, with that. Nothing wrong with that. So <laughs> we, we have a Vietnam game just about to start on the table right now. If, if I, I don't know if this will work because I'm ignorant about these things, but if I pick up my computer and point it at the table. Ah, uh, no, you're, 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 um, your uh, video isn't on. Oh right, um, that's a, that, that's a good thing, really. <laughs> I, I, so that's, well, it can ruin your day seeing a face like mine. I've, I've, I, I've got a, a good face. I've got a good face for radio. Perfect and, for a uh, podcast, Chris. Perfect for a podcast. I was going to say a good voice for mime, but you know <laughs> we are where we are. Um, but there's, oh, yeah. there's some pictures of it gone up on uh, on Spit's page and uh, and on the Bolt Action Vietnam page. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you, if you want to see some pics, that's where there'll be, and there'll be lots more in due course. Excellent. And um, on the, the Field of Fire forum as well. Yeah. You know about this? It's a Vietnam... Ah, uh, right, no, I've not seen that. Web. Um, I'm not quite sure what, what, what it's called. It's sort of a website, I suppose. Yeah. Um, strongly recommended if you have an interest in the Vietnam War. 
if only to look at the lovely toys that people make and and, and post and uh, the discussions yeah. that come up. It's a great place for looking for just about any kind of information. You well, know, that was fields of fields of fire. Did you say fields of fire? Yeah. Yeah. Right, I'll, um, I'll have a look at that. Um, I don't know what else I can say about that. No, um, I'll, I believe I'll they have. I think they must have a Facebook page as well, but I can't remember. But it, it's a great place to ask questions if you want to know about, you know, you know how, how many blue beans make five in a in, in, in a ration can in 1967. Somebody will be able to write back to you. Is that a ration can in Danang or a ration can in Dacto? They're subtly different. But it, it's um, it, it's a completely non-condescending place, which in working yeah. circles is relatively rare and yeah. tremendously helpful. Or at least Brilliant. I find it tremendously helpful. Excellent. So that's uh, thank thank you very much, Chris. Um, well, I'm I'm so glad that you found Common Ground Games in Stirling because it is a fantastic place, as we it, as we've said, is. and I, I've been shouting its praises for a long time, um, and. We, we do spend quite a bit of time in Scotland on holiday and we'll always make a detour there, even if I just pop, pop in and, and buy a can of spray paint and some figures or something just to I'm, uh, I'm show not support. Aware, I'm not aware of anything else like it in the UK. I think Tin Soldiers in Antwerp is probably the mm. closest thing I've come across, but nothing like it in the UK as far as I'm aware. And um, and you you couldn't hope for better, really. I don't think. And um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. it. Should be good fun. It's the it's it's definitely the perfect perfect model, I think, for a war gaming place. That huge space they've got for gaming, yeah. and then the, the shop that's well stocked and has got lots of interesting stuff in, and the cafe on top of that. You, you really couldn't ask for more. So it's called Bocage and Carnage. Is that right? Weekend. Well, it depends how you want to pronounce it. Bocage and Carnage, or Bocage and Carnage. I don't really care. But obviously, yeah. it should be Bocage and Carnage. It was coming, um, it just, coming from Yorkshire. Nobody pays any attention to, to my pronunciation. I've tried Italian, I've tried everything, and it just comes out the same. Latin. Try Latin, because nobody expects you to actually speak Latin. And that, that's all to the good. Of course, it's not, not sure if useful. No, I'm not sure if Latin ever made it to Yorkshire. Probably <laughs> uh, when, when York was part of a Roman town, I think it's probably the only time. It, and then they would have chased it out straight away when the Romans left. Um, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> but, um, Fantastic, yes, Chris. It's been it's been lovely chatting with you again and catching up, um, which is what all these um, all these extra episodes are all about. Um, and uh, hopefully everything will go well um, with your event at Sterling, and hopefully that'll be a regular thing. And uh, Arnhem as well. Looking forward to uh, seeing how well, you get on there, mate. Yeah, it, it's 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 looking good now. So I'm, I'm pleased about that, and hopefully the Sterling thing as well. Um, what happens thereafter, who knows? I quite fancy the idea of having a Vietnam event at at Sterling. I'm not sure not sure there's quite that many people interested in Vietnam games, but um I can easily see myself and Pat going along there just to stage a big game ourselves from time to time, you know, get a couple of people in. Yeah. Mean, we have a good sized table here. Um yeah. it's what is it, ten foot by ten foot by four. Mm. Um, but something bigger and something that people can manoeuvre around because it's a bit tight in this room. Let's, let's put it that way. 
And if you other organize, people have something yeah. called a lounge. If you organise, if you organise that when I'm on holiday in Scotland as well, Chris, that would. Be uh, well, um, oh, I'd actually like to see daft events like ours happening in other places. Yeah. Delightfully, there is a group in 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 Finland, you know, Spit War Games Finland, and they do oh, wow. daft things like us. So I can't tell you how pleasing that is. That is but, fantastic. Uh, I, it is. It's, it, it, it's very gratifying, and I'd I'd love to see more big daft stuff going on. If anybody knows a venue that um, that, that would be appropriate, um, we're we're happy to go pretty much anywhere. You know, we're yeah. retired. We can take time off and do things if we want to, and um, I'd be happy to assist somebody put put something on, or if you've got a space that is suitable, we'll see what we can do. Excellent. I'm more than happy to do it. Excellent. Well, yeah, thanks well, very much, Chris. It's well, been thanks, lovely to chat with you again, mate. Me. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Any time at all. Well, thanks very much to Chris there for uh, an update on his projects. And it's fantastic to hear that uh, the Arnhem event will uh, go ahead this year. And that will be a fantastic opportunity to play some Arnhem Wargaming in and around Arnhem itself. And also get a guided tour from uh, Dr. Chris Brown, which will be absolutely fantastic. So uh, I recommend that you uh, get down and have a look at uh, the links in the show notes for that. Uh, and if you can, bob along to Arnhem. I'd like to thank Chris and uh, my other two guests, uh, Mark Freeth and Simon Hall, for taking the time to come on this catch-up show. And I hope you found uh, it interesting and uh, informative uh, hearing from the guys who'd been on the show you know, a year ago, in the case of Chris, and uh, a bit fairly similar for Mark and Simon. And I wish them all the best in their future endeavours. Um, at this moment in time, I don't actually have... Uh, a guest finalised for my next show. Um, I have a guest um, who is a large company and I'm still waiting to hear from them. Um, so uh, check your emails. Um, and uh, if not, I've got uh, a reserve. So um, we will be back on the fifth Friday in this month and uh, with a new episode. So until then, see you.